This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Missouri 4th District Representative Vicki Hartzler. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CropLife America, providing crop protection products to assist farmers in sustainably producing a safe and ample food, fiber, and fuel supply for the world. Learn more at CropLifeAmerica.org. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Missouri Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler next. The Environmental Protection Agency's high review standards help keep Americans safe. The agency's rigorous review process sets the standard for protecting the public and environment. That's why only 1 in 10,000 pesticides make the journey from the lab to the field. In fact, on average, it takes more than 11 years to develop data for and move fully through the EPA approval process for pesticides. Through federal preemption, EPA helps keep millions of Americans safe by setting standards and creating uniform labels and packaging for pesticides. Learn more by visiting croplifeamerica.org slash federal pesticide regulation. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. For six terms, a wife, a mother, and farmer has represented the Missouri 4th U.S. Congressional District. In her time in Washington, Vicki Hartzler has served on the Armed Services and the Agriculture Committees. Looking back, she's proud of accomplishments for her district while in office. Well, we did help write and pass two farm bills, and of course they're called farm bills, but really... 80% of that is actually doesn't go to farms. It goes to food uh, supplement programs like, now we call it SNAP, but they used to call it food stamps, uh, women, infants, and children, school lunch programs, things. So that's really the bulk of it. But it, those programs are very, very important for rural Missouri and, and for the nation. If you look at the nutrition title, obviously that's important for people that are struggling uh, and children who are hungry need some food at school. But uh, for for agriculture, it's really important to have those safety net programs uh, for when years uh, we have, you know, bad years and crops and prices, uh, so that we can keep afloat and keep going. And and America will never be dependent on another country for our food supply. That puts us in a very very risky place. And I, I say food security is national security. And I'm on Armed Services Committee too. But they go hand in hand. A hungry people or people who are dependent on other countries for their food are very, very vulnerable. We never want to be in that spot. So that's why we have the safety net programs. Uh, but the, the Farm Bill covers more than just the safety net programs. Obviously, crop insurance is, is critical partnership uh, between the, the private industry as well as the government helping supplement that. Uh, but they have programs for rural America, including rural broadband, and I've been very proud to help passed three amendments in the last Farm Bill to increase the availability and the speed of rural broadband. You know, when I first took office, um, I would say almost three-quarters of my district didn't have high-speed Internet. It was just very uh, damaging and, and limiting the potential of school children couldn't access their uh, homework. Uh, senior citizens, especially during COVID, couldn't access telemedicine. Uh, many of our small communities that are struggling have businesses who want to locate there, but without high-speed Internet, they were um, rejected. And so I've focused on trying to get that, and, and I'm so excited that two of my rural electric co-ops that cover 14 of my counties have now 
committed to and are putting fiber to every household and utilizing some of these grants and programs that we have passed in Congress. Uh, but there's other programs, rural community facility programs. I uh, had an amendment passed in the Farm Bill that uh, allowed more communities to be able to access that, to build more libraries and fire stations and those type of things. Senior citizen housing that's in almost every one of our small towns, uh, those four plexes, that is the USDA grants. USD grants for sewer and water systems in our small towns, and so many of our communities are having to replace those because they were first put in in the 50s and 60s. And so the Farm Bill encompasses so many things, um, and I was able not only um, we passed the conservation title, but had an amendment in the Farm Bill to allow a midterm and mid-contract grazing for our cattlemen uh, for our CRP land. So we've done a lot of things in that farm bill and uh, increased the amount of rural broadband, and those are some things I'm I'm very proud of and, and thankful I've had the opportunity to work on. Uh, as far as well, you know, things I wish we would have could have gotten done. Um, you know, I've been working on a bill to try to help our cattle industry. They've really struggled the last few years. We've tried to get more transparency to them in the House. We passed part of my legislation to set up a USDA contract library uh, where the meat packers would have to disclose the type of contracts that they are offering to, to different cattlemen and so that we have uh, more leverage to know what's going on. My bill also would require the packers to report for the next 14 days the, the kill rates so they they know if there's going to be a day where they're going to be short cattle, and maybe that provides some leverage uh, for somebody if they've got a, a potload of, of, of cattle that they could bring in that day and, and maybe negotiate a better price, and then set up a regional pricing on a cash basis to have a minimum level of that to get some more uh, um, uh, some more price discovery in the market. We we haven't been successful in getting all of that done yet, um, but. You know, I think that's – I'm glad to see the cattle market is starting to come back now on its own. So um, hopefully that will uh, fix itself. But I, I still think more transparency is needed and more meat packing plants. And I've been very supportive of and, and promoting uh, trying to get more regional meat packing plants so our cattlemen have more options of where to take their cattle. One of the first people that I recall – suggesting uh, this this following statement was Bob Stallman, previous president of the American Farm Bureau Federation. He said, we will either import workers or we will import food. So one of the things that you suggested was food security, and one of the biggest issues that agriculture has called for is labor reform. What's the answer here? This is a very, very critical need. There are reforms that need to, to happen. And I know in the House a couple of years ago, maybe it was last year, we, we passed a, a bill that would have made some changes to help provide for more labor. The the issue comes in, uh, the 800-pound the gorilla in the room, is whether you, you know, extend what's called amnesty for somebody who's been here working illegally, what happens to them? Uh, I'm, I'm not in favor of rewarding that. I think that you should go back to the country and, and start a process that's expedited to get here uh, legally. And that's where the discussions tend to break down uh, between the parties. But, you know, there, there just needs to be this agreement. And I, the agriculture uh, arena is an area where both Democrats and Republicans acknowledge there's a problem. Uh, I think it would be 
easiest to pass this versus any other type of reform. Um, and so I know people are going to continue to work on this, but I, I would just encourage people to keep reaching out to their legislators and saying, hey, we've got to fix this now. And maybe a narrow uh, bill could be passed as long as we could keep people from offering amendments to expand it into more other areas that are more controversial. Just keep it focused on ag. And I, I think there's a slight chance that maybe that could get done. I'm no authority on the subject, but we have undocumented workers that aren't just here. They are critical to the success of agriculture. It is a reality that we need workers. It is a reality that some undocumented workers are here in the country. If you were to round them up and send them home, we would suffer as an industry, but yet the way forward appears to be lost in the details. Right, and I, there was a proposal put forward that I thought uh, had some merit and maybe could get the thing is not giving them citizenship but allowing them to have a, a special status, a, a different type of a status uh, where at least they could work legally um, but they wouldn't become citizens and then maybe earn over the course of, of years uh, the opportunity to apply for some other type of, of visa you know, that a transitional type program like that, I think maybe you could have some discussion uh, around that and, and maybe that could gain some traction. All right. So one of the other things you mentioned that you were pleased with is the expansion of rural broadband. And Washington has made this a priority. There's been a lot of money that has been thrown at this problem. The question is, should there be a central agency? Have we made as much progress in relationship to the dollars that have been offered? Now, I, I agree. I think there does need to be some central oversight of this because as I've tried to get my hands around uh, the various programs there, I've asked my team and I to put together, hey, let's put together a, a list of the various grants and, and loan programs that, that are out there so we can go to our rural electric cooperative or our county commissioner and say, here, here's what's available Thanks. Once we started to try to do that, I realized there are dozens, if not hundreds, of different programs because uh, legislators know this is a need, so they pass this bill over here, and then they pass another bill over here. And, and it's very confusing, and the different programs have different parameters, different requirements. Uh, there, there are different guidelines, and it, it really is, has become uh, very, very complicated and hard for these local uh entities who may want to apply or take advantage of these programs to actually navigate their way through that. And so I have uh, seen that there is a need for one central office who can kind of coordinate all of this, and maybe we could uh, uh, pass legislation that would kind of refine the various bills that have passed so they have similar guidelines to make it a lot easier for a local county or a, a, a small business to apply uh, to put in some real broadband in our communities. Congresswoman, the last time the GOP was in the lead in the House and writing a farm bill, there was a tremendous skirmish over nutrition programs and spending for nutrition programs. Do you think we'll see that again in the new Congress? I do. Uh, during COVID, you know, the administration plussed up the benefits that were given out for SNAP and those are continuing on, even in this omnibus legislation, and that is more and more expensive, and it's more and more controversial. So I'm sure there will be discussion about that, whether to continue to spend out more and more, but with the inflation rate that it is, because of all the excess spending that the Democrats have done, food does cost more. And so that's going to increase 
the cost of the, the food bill or farm bill, whatever you call it, and uh, there's still a move for separating the two titles like we had last time where people did not want to put the nutrition title with the, the farm and rural portion, and they had to split that out and then later put it back together. And, of course, that kind of uh, partnership there between the two it goes back years, and it has been the traditional avenue to be able to get enough votes to pass the farm bill because the reality is there's not enough people, votes, who will support just the farm side, which is sad, but a lot of people are interested in making sure that people have access to food through SNAP, so that's why they put those together. And so I I expect it'll be a rough uh, sledding again next year as they try to navigate that. So if you could pull out the Hartzler 4th District crystal ball, do you think that there will be a farm bill in 2023? I'd, I'd say there's a 75% chance we will. <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be tough. Uh, the Republicans have majority in the House, but only by a handful. And there are some uh, very uh, conservative members of the GOP who also do not support the farm bill for different reasons. Uh, they don't understand agriculture and they think it's corporate welfare for farmers. And they just want to cut spending, and they just see this as an opportunity to go back home and say, look, I cut spending, not realizing they're cutting off their nose despite their face that they're really hurting their constituents. And so it's a, it's a huge education effort that has to take place for both the uh, left side of the political spectrum as well as the right to educate the lawmakers on what is in there, why it's needing, why it matters to them and their constituents. And so it depends on how much constituents talk to their, their congressman or woman about it, uh, how much the commodity groups weigh in and, and try to, try to make that case. I, I would make the case early and try to talk to your congress, member of congress as early as possible about the importance, uh, to put this on their radar. You were outspoken in support of conservation programs as a part of the farm bill. And now as we approach the writing of the 23, obviously climate, climate change, climate smart agriculture, uh, those are all gaining tremendous headlines, uh, a part of the discussion at many levels. Even those who aren't familiar with agriculture are talking about climate programs and, and agriculture possibly as uh, a solution to some of these problems. Do you think that that will change the debate on farm policy and the types of programs that are offered? I think it will be a, a huge area of debate. Um, I, I supported conservation programs, but I also supported uh, those acreages going down for CRP, allowing more of that to come back into protection. I, I think we have to have a, a balance there. And these policies now and the amount of money that USDA is just arbitrarily spending on the climate uh, in the name of agriculture, I, I, I think is wrong. Um, I, I don't think there was authorities from Congress to be putting out all these grants and spending all the money that they are. And it's going to uh, really make it more complicated to pass the farm bill in this section because I'm sure Republicans will want to pull some of that back and uh, focus on other areas. And uh, I have a feeling the Democrats are going to want to continue to support spending a lot of tax dollars uh, for those things. I, I think it makes sense uh, to use cover crops and some of these sustainable agriculture methods that farmers are already utilizing, but I don't think you have to uh, to pay out millions and billions of dollars 
to promote these practices when we have other areas of government uh, and we are in debt so high right now. So this is this is going to be a, a contentious uh, issue, I have no doubt, next year. Can you sacrifice risk management programs and crop insurance in the name of climate? No. <laughs> no, I mean, those are the most basic things that you've got to have. Crop insurance is always the most popular program among the farmers in my district. They say, if nothing else passes the farm bill, just keep our crop insurance. This risk management tool is so important. But it's important, I think, too, to have the the uh, uh, the price, the, the ARC and the PLC programs and the safety net programs that we have in those in those tough times. And so, you know, that that is got you've got to keep that um, in order to to have a farm bill. Congresswoman, I spoke in early December with Minority Leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky. And he suggested that obviously the nation's budget, spending money to support defense. And the war in Ukraine, helping the Ukrainians push back the Russian invasion, were perhaps the biggest things that our nation faced. Would you agree? I think our national debt is is one of the the largest things that we have facing us right now, and this inflation that is hurting people. They can't afford to put gas in their gas tank or buy groceries, and so we've got to stop the spending money we don't we don't have. And spend it wisely, uh, spend it on things according to the Constitution. And so I'd say that would be the number one thing, getting our economy going. Energy independence uh, is a priority. The border is uh, a huge issue with the fentanyl deaths that are as a direct result of the wide-open border we've got. Uh, certainly national security is always a concern, and, is, and there are so many threats on the world stage right now. Uh, I am concerned about Xi Jinping in China and their growing uh, uh, initiative to have world dominance, both economically, militarily, and in every other way. And he very much wants to take over Taiwan, and that could uh, trigger military actions. You've got Kim Jong-un in North Korea uh, shooting off missiles, and some of them have nuclear capability, and they can reach the United States. And, of course, Putin and Russia and his advancement over there uh, is very, very concerning. You know, terrorists are still on the loose. So we have to have a strong national defense as well as have a defense of our own borders, our own homeland defense, and get our fiscal house in order uh, and become energy independent. Those are would be at the top of my list. Missouri is a state where farmers have invested in and there has been a strong infrastructure of renewable fuels, both ethanol, biodiesel, and now the promise of the next generation of biofuels. Yet the RBO numbers that came from the EPA and the history of EPA is not necessarily supporting the amount of growth in the industry that a lot of investors would like to see. How do you respond to the EPA's actions toward renewable fuels? And if you had the power of the pen, what would you write in order for them to do? I could not understand what what they're doing. They say they want uh, uh, clean energy, uh, renewable energy here, and then they come up with these numbers that are are very low uh, in comparison to what their rhetoric is. And, and it could be damaging, especially to biodiesel and the the soybean uh, fuel industry ethanol numbers were a little bit better, but it makes no sense to me. And uh, here you have a clean burning renewable fuel can be made right here in our own country. I just don't understand it. And uh, so if I had the power, I would force them to 
to change that and to plus up those numbers. Uh, they need to put action to their words. And the only other conclusion that you have is that they only want to become dependent on other countries, I guess. I mean, they're already going to other, they're shutting down our traditional fuel supplies, uh, the coal and, and gas, and going to our enemies and begging them to produce more oil while they're shutting it down here. And then they're wanting more solar panels, and which are made in China, and, you know, going that route. I, I just don't understand it. And so uh, I hope that action will be taken to, to force them to reverse course and to plus up some of those numbers. As a farmer, part of sustainable production is managing pests. But yet, even as we speak over the past uh, several months, issues over chlorpyrifos, over atrazine, over dicamba, over the labels on glyphosate, have some real questions in front of farmers like yourself of what tools you're going to have available to be able to manage pests. Is it frustrating to see how uh, the regulatory system is constantly challenged and the goalposts continually moved in this arena? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, and I'm leading the charge uh, against this pushback on chlorpyrifos. I, I led a letter to the president, to USDA, and to Administrator Regan about it. And I was pleased that Secretary Vilsack actually wrote a letter back to me saying he agreed and the USDA agrees that, uh, you know, chlorpyrifos can be used safely for food and they disagree with the EPA's ruling on that. And so I thought that was encouraging. Uh, also, we, I led the charge against their, um, their ban of Enlist One and Enlist Dual earlier this year, the beginning of the year. And uh, we got EPA to back off on that. They had ruled that 120 counties could not use Enlist One or Enlist Duo. And this was in January, and a lot of the farmers had already uh, secured the product, ready to go. Um, and after we intervened, they changed course, and they said, you know, that 115, I believe, of those counties could go ahead and use it. I am very concerned about the atrazine ruling. Uh, I led the charge a few years ago to try to get some certainty there under the Trump administration and was pleased the EPA administrator actually requested and came to my district to make the announcement that they were going to uh, finalize the regulation of atrazine, that it was safe, that they could use it. And then now, you know, the Biden administration is going back and says they're going to relook at that. And it is, it is very, very, you know, frustrating. It's very hard. Uh, not only do we have high fuel, and fertilizer input costs, the cost of machinery, the costs all around are going up. But then we have the uncertainty about what we can use to try to uh, reduce uh, weeds and pests so that we don't have to cross the field as many times and we can use some of these more methods that are more sustainable. And then they just keep pulling the football out from underneath us, kind of like Lucy and Charlie Brown. And it's, uh, it's very hard to not have that certainty. Congresswoman, I would uh, be remiss if I didn't ask the question if you'd be willing to share maybe what your uh, political future might be. Well, uh, I think the good Lord knows I don't at this point, but I'm uh, you know, just uh, open to any ways that I can uh, serve him, serve others. I've just been so honored to be able to serve this district and uh, in our country for 12 years now in, in the House, and I'm very grateful for that opportunity hope that we've been able to uh, make a difference in protecting and promoting uh, agriculture and, and supporting our farmers and ranchers through that, as well as keeping our nation safe as a member of the Armed Services Committee. And uh, we're going to continue to be involved and, 
and see where we can make a difference, continue to contribute. Well, Congresswoman, I hope that you and your family have a wonderful Christmas and look forward to the new year and new frontiers. Thank you for your service to agriculture and your service to the 4th District there of Missouri. Uh, we appreciate you taking time in the season to spend with us on this edition of Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and today you've got the last word. Oh, well, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to get to visit today. You know, farming is such a, it's a wonderful uh, profession, a career. It's a noble calling to feed the world, but it also is just a, it's a blessing uh, to be able to, to do that, to grow up on the farm, and it's challenging you know, between the weather and the cost, but there's no other way of life like it where you get to work together as a family to do something that's worthwhile, but also uh, to, to work in conjunction with uh, with the Lord and uh, to have to depend on Him and partnership to see those crops come up and come to harvest. And so it's, it's very rewarding, too, to pass on from generation to generation, amazing way of life, of, uh, of faith in farming. And, and so I just want to Encourage everyone who's involved in agriculture and farming to keep it up, uh, to don't go weary doing it, because in due time you will reap a harvest, as the Bible says, if you don't give up, uh, both literally and uh, spiritually. So I wish everyone the best, and uh, know that good days are continue to go ahead, be ahead of all of us in America. So thank you so much. Our thanks to Missouri 4th District Representative Vicki Hartzler, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CropLife America, providing crop protection products to assist farmers in sustainably producing a safe and ample food, fiber, and fuel supply for the world. Learn more at CropLifeAmerica.org. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.